0: Praise the Lord. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for being here today. This is a unique Sunday. We're kicking off our AWARE series. Now, there's a lot, AWARE is an interesting word. I'm hearing it more and more in the vocabulary of people. And uh, this first uh, of a part of this series is going to be, maybe for some of you, somewhat controversial. In fact, there might be a few people that get mad during this particular service today. But... Uh, we, today, is to, uh, the subject really is to be aware of what's happening in the political climate of America. Uh, the potential things that could uh, happen to our country if we're not really, really tuned in to the various issues that are out there. And uh, I want to read a verse of scripture to you then. I mean, this is Video Sunday. You're going to hear a 14-minute video from uh, his relatively new friend of mine. His name is Pastor Jim Garlow. He pastors in San Diego, California, and uh, he has organized, he's one of the key organizers of Pulpit Freedom Sunday. Uh, Across America today, 1,500 churches. We wish it were 15,000. We wish it were 30,000. We'll share the message that I share just as I tie this up at the end. Uh, This week will be sent to the Internal Revenue Service regarding tax-exempt status, regarding the fact that we're going to share biblical principles that we need you to understand uh, in the political process. And so it it, it will be, and Jim will not put you to sleep. He's a great man of God, extremely intelligent, uh, very involved in uh, the political scene in Washington, uh, just a great guy. Uh, And Remember him in your prayers. His wife has been battling cancer for about seven years, and she really is on her deathbed as we speak. We're still believing God to lift her off, off, off that bed, but uh, there's a scripture that I want to direct your attention to before uh, Jim shares and then I will come and tie it together uh, and hopefully we'll get you out in time to If you don't have a DVR, you won't miss much. All right, this particular scripture here is in Ezekiel, uh, the 22nd chapter and uh, the 30th verse. And Ezekiel says prophetically, he says, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. And then one of the saddest little portions of Scripture you ever find, he said, I sought for a man who would stand in the gap for the land. And he says, but I found none. And I really believe God is about to raise up men and women who will take the biblical standard as it relates to America and forget about the right, the left, the middle, and just look at what the real right has to say in the Bible. You will be fascinated by Pastor Garlow. We're we're talking about a time for me to come and and share at his church. So just listen to what he has to say, and I'll tie it together at the end. Really what uh, Pastor uh, Garlow is dealing with is something that, and there are people who will come to the church, or you might be here today saying, what are we doing this in church for? There might be a, a spirit of irritation coming up against you because you have been in one particular camp or the other and what we're talking about today is biblical and uh if you could put that graphic back up that packer one that we had up there before would you do that i want to just make an application here to 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 show you something you know this was from the press gazette remember when the strike got settled how many remember that official strike Uh, we think maybe some of them were still working last sunday but we're not are you there see how quick you get that stuff but, you know, bam, you know, stuff like, You know, and then the biblical reaction to what Jim was talking about. The horrific nature of, of tearing the unborn out of the womb. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm talking about? You know, the whole issue of choice. When that sperm hits that egg and it becomes a child, your choice is gone. You should have thought before you had the act. Hello? Are we adults here? What, what about, what about the, the, the unbelievable stuff that's happening? I'm looking forward to the day when we see a headline that the Church of Jesus Christ has awoke, awoken from a sleep and it's taking stands. And now it's probably in the history of America we are facing one of the most crucial decisions as a people. A, a crucial decision to take stands like never before. I, uh, one thing as I listen to all this, there, and I don't know if you know or not, but you know we live in Utah. We live here. We, we give oversight to Pastor Ryan in this church. We uh, I work with Grace International. And we've been working very, very closely with uh, Dr. Garlow. He's, he's a very smart guy. He trips over his brains. So I've never had that problem uh, on this whole issue of pulpit freedom. But so many pastors that are seeing this now are just saying, "Where? What was I doing? How come I didn't see it?" But I will tell you, friends, that is one confession I don't have to make. As a young minister, I was in Anaheim, California, and James Watt, who was Secretary of Interior under, James, uh, under President Reagan, and he was getting a lot of heat in the press. And he was an evangelical guy. I went to church, an Assemblies of God church, in fact, in Aurora, Colorado. And a lot of uh, pastors were embarrassed by because he took outspoken stands. And I was at a prayer breakfast, just about to become a senior pastor, and he talked about the Holocaust of abortion. He talked about dedicating a public monument in LA, that's what he was there for, a part of his job as Secretary of Interior. And it was an octagonal building and had pictures all around this, this, octagon's eight sides, right? I think so, yeah. Anyhow, just a little math test there for you. And one of the pictures had the landscape and the, and the furnaces where they had incinerated the uh, millions of Jewish people during World War II and superimposed behind those pictures were the churches in Germany. And the, the inscription read, they had eyes to see, but they did not see. They had ears to hear, but they did not hear. They had mouths to speak, but they did not speak. And I made a, I made a commitment then on that issue, and it's it's built into other issues, that I would be outspoken. In 1998, when I was the pastor of Bayside Church, many of you know that church that I founded back in 1992, we were named there there were there was a far uh, right group named 10 churches in America that they wanted to remove their tax-exempt status from. We were one of them. Jay Sekulow uh, called me. Jay Sekulow is the uh, head of uh, American Law and Justice. Very outspoken, wonderful Christian lawyer. Very, very sharp guy. And he called me and he said, Arnie, you did nothing wrong. He said, and if they take this to court on you, he said, we will support you. We will, you will have a a team of lawyers, second to none that will defend you because you have not done anything wrong. And I said, thank you very much. But you know what, even if they had taken me to court and I went to add those lawyers, I would stand on principles of the word of God. And the church and many congregations have gone asleep. I travel America preaching in different churches, some quite large, it doesn't matter, I'll preach anywhere. But uh, many times, they, many of these guys, especially in the larger megachurches, they know me. And they know that I've taken these stands. And most of the time, I'm I'm coming in to do evangelism for them, personal evangelical, relational things. And and about 50% of the time, when we're sitting in their green room, and these churches are huge, they will say, Arnie, we, we have you here to do this, and we're excited about it, but stay off the political stuff. And I will, because they're the head. I'm there visiting under their authority. But there's a side of me that's tremendously saddened because they have an opportunity to speak to thousands of people on Sunday morning and say, we've had enough. We've had enough. And so what I want to bring to you just in the next few moments is just a a challenge to wake up. We have a two-party system. It's, how many know that? And one of the parties in their platform has endorsed gay marriage. They've endorsed marriage between a woman and a woman and a man and a man. Now, let me just tell you this. And and this is what I love about Garlow. Jim just had a big deal at his church, had uh, uh, homosexual pastors in, had dialogue. They talked about... Here's the thing. They can talk all about their issue, but let us come out with it, and we're the bad guys. Are you there? Let me take it a step further. One of my good friends, Dick Eastman, is head of Every Home for Christ in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Their goal is to get a like, piece of gospel literature in every home in the world. His brother, Don, was a friend of mine for years. Actually pastored a little Assembly of God church in Nina, Wisconsin, and uh, for years. Never married. And uh, probably 20 years ago, he came out as gay. Don now lives in California. The last time I checked, last time I talked to him, and he's a very good friend of mine. still a good friend of mine. He's heading a group of homosexual pastors who are into not wild homosexual sex, but in other words, they, have, they stay within, with their partner and they're not out running around doing a lot of the other stuff. Now, biblically, it's very clear, the Bible's very clear on that issue, but Don is my friend. I have other friends. I have relatives who are homosexual. But that does not change how the word is written. You'll have people walk out of church, Christians many times, because they have a brother or a sister, an aunt or an uncle or a second cousin that's homosexual and they think their church is picking up. The reality is we love people. We detest sin. But you see, everything has been distilled down into this tasteless drink that isn't getting people on the edge, isn't getting people to stand up and be counted. The abortion thing. We're also going to post this particular uh, video on our website. The last couple of days I've been listening to Bishop Jackson, a, a, a strong leader in the African-American church in America. He was at the American Press Club in Washington, and there's a, he, he's founded a group called Exodus. Because across America over the years, the black church in America has traditionally been democratic traditionally been democratic. Uh, In fact, uh, uh, and now he came out, and we're going to post this. It's probably 10 or 12 minutes of the most scintillating verbiage from Scripture and intelligent approach, and he's calling it Exodus. He says this. He says the party that does not allow God in their platform, the party that is underlining same-sex marriage—it is a direct assault on the on the Bible and on Christianity and what America stands for. Are you with me today? And so, but we've been we've been sold this bill of goods, and we cannot any longer. We have to stand up. We have to awake as a body of believers to what the Bible says. I was. Uh, a number of years ago, I wrote a book uh, from the book of uh, Nehemiah called The Favor Factor. I, I share the description. and I'll bring this message. See, Nehemiah was a slave. He was a slave because Israel backslid. And I want to tell you what today, friends. America has backslidden away from the very fundamental principles that this country was founded on. The church, America itself, was a church relocation project. Europe, years ago, was attacking the Christians and the right to preach the gospel. Many of the same issues now that have subtly crept into Washington and subtly crept into many of the political figures in America today. And I will tell you this, if we don't stand up, our grandchildren and our children could end up being slaves to a country that does not stand for this. And we have to take a stand. Nehemiah now had risen in the midst of that slave position to a, a great position within the government. And his, he said the, the walls of ancient Jerusalem had collapsed. And in that particular culture, the walls around the city, uh, when they were in disrepair, showed that the, the country or the nation that was represented in that city was in dire straits. So now he had gotten a position, and he gets, he moves from a slave to a position of high prominence in Artaxerxes' government back then. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hilkiah, came to pass in the month of, uh, and it's actually the month of July in the twelfth year as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. See, the questions are being asked today. Where's America going? And sensitive, God-believing Christians that have a government that has supported killing millions of babies in the womb, a government that is supporting things that are not biblical and not according to the Word of God, what did it cause Nehemiah to do? So it was, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. When is the last time you sat down and wept for what's happening in America? Wept for the fact that one of our political parties had a big debate if they should put the name God in their platform. Where have we come, my friends? I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you, those who observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray for you before you now, day and night. I want to tell you what, in the next couple of weeks, that should be you should be praying night and day and standing. And believing God for a revival in America, getting back to the basics. I pray for your children, your servants. And then he goes on, and like it's very similar to Pastor Gallo said, I was gonna to go to Washington and talk to those congressmen and shake my finger and say, Man, shame on you. And then all of a sudden he realized there was a finger pointing back at him that says, Where have you been? You see, I want to tell you what, if the church wakes up, and I want to tell you right now, I'm proud of the Catholic Church in America today. The bishops are sending out letters to parishes, and they're standing strong for the fact that there are issues within the framework of Obamacare that are going to underline many ungodly principles. Hello? Are you there? I think there's going to come an awakening. Many of you remember seeing the, the, the poignant story in the, in the uh, place uh, on the aircraft carrier when the Japanese airplanes were landing after their tremendous victory at Pearl Harbor. And they were up in the, what they call the pilot house of an aircraft carrier. And the Japanese uh, military leaders were so excited of this great victory and this great surprise attack Pearl Harbor. And the admiral of the Japanese army noted in history. In the midst of that jubilation said, I fear we have awakened a sleeping giant. And I feel today that the church of Jesus Christ I sense something bubbling. Are you with me? Can I get an amen from the congregation? That we are going to wake up and all of a sudden it'll be an exceeding great army And we will go from almost defeat to the greatest victory and the greatest revival. See, that's what God is waiting for. That you won't be able to get to church late, second service, and get a seat. You'll be sitting in the foyer. You'll be waiting for us to build that bigger building on that eight acres I got my eye on just around the corner. Come on, somebody get excited. You have acted very corruptly against you. We have acted very... See. Nehemiah is associating with the problem, even though he was a slave, even though he just got swept in because mom and dad and and Israel had backslidden. And we confess the sins of the children. And we've acted corruptly. And we have not kept your word. We've not kept your word. You see, here's the deal. I'm 66 years old. I don't know what I kicked over, but it'll live. We're 66. I'm 66 years old. My daughter sent me a picture Of my four grandchildren, Colin, Ethan, Landon. What's the other one's name? Ethan. You get old, things slip, you know. And this picture shows them sitting with their little Packer outfits on. Later this afternoon in Salt Lake, Chad has DVR'd the game. They'll come home. They'll probably go to our home in Salt Lake. We got a big area upstairs, and they'll they'll watch the game, and they don't want to hear what the score is. They want to watch the game, and And that's fine. It's like this, you know, we're big Packer fans. But where is the outrage? Where is the outrage? We've been quiet. It's time to wake up, it's time to get involved. We're going to be registering voters here. Let me talk to you another issue that is concerning this present election the Mormon factor. I will tell you. Expect in the next couple days, in this next week, especially after, even the liberal press gave an overwhelming victory to Governor Romney during the debate. The next issue that's going to come is an out-and-out attack on the Mormon Church and on what they believe. Now, let me just tell you. Let me me, let me make this straight, theologically. And even their concept of who Jesus really is is way over here, and I'm way over here. All right? Okay? But let me just tell you this about the Mormons. I live in Utah. I have a home in Utah. We now have a little home here, too. They have been instrumental in standing for moral and family values in a greater concentrated degree than the church of Jesus Christ that I'm talking to today and that I preach in across America. Measure 8 in California a couple years ago. Are you familiar with that? Jim Garlow, who was spearheaded the whole thing in California, made this statement when we were talking to him a couple of months ago. He said, if it wasn't for the Mormon church in California, we would have never won Measure 8. Let me also tell you, they are anti-abortion. Now, they're, and they're, the reason for that is they believe that God's having celestial sex, turning out disembodied spirits. So every time you get pregnant to have a child, whew, it basically is another Jesus. But no matter what, whatever they call it, they're for the fact that those babies have a chance to live out a life and be effective. Okay? They're for the family. Therefore, all of these things, and I will tell you right now, I have voted for Catholics in the past as long as they had the moral issues lined up. I have. Are you with me? Understand what I'm talking about here. I will tell you this. They line up on family, pro-life issues, on the Constitution, and you should not be frightened. And what they will project along with Mr. Ryan from Wisconsin here is a return to biblical values, a return to family, overthrowing Roe v. Wade. What time is it? No, I got a little time. Fifteen minutes before kickoff, just in case you wanted to know. I was at a, a men's prayer breakfast in our church in Salt Lake, and this issue came up, and one of the guys really got in my face. and said, I don't think you should have politics in church. I said you know what because we haven't been what we've been I want to tell you what the goal is of these secular progressives is to eliminate the church eliminate our voice and if we don't stand up as I look back at that picture of my four little grandkids what will they have what will they be buried in are are you there are you with me you see, if you're not, all I can say this to you as a Christian. Even if you came in here today, shame on you. Quietness. You see, people many times vote their checkbook. And they vote their bet. This is not about Medicare. This isn't even about Obamacare. This isn't about Social Security. This isn't about the social issues. I want to tell you what. The Bible is very clear. It says you shouldn't eat if you don't work. And when you remove the incentive to work from a, a large segment of society, you got major problems. Yes, do we need to help people who can't help themselves? Yes. But I would tell you today before my wife and I would go on the, on the take governmentally, we'll go work at McDonald's. I'll, I'll wash windows. i got a guy that washes my windows in Salt Lake. Gets 90 bucks. got an old beat-up truck. He's making more money than you could ever imagine with that beat-up truck. I saw how he did it. I I got the prescription for what he uses on the windows. You want to know? It's just Dawn liquid soap and a little alcohol, and it works good. In fact, I washed my windows this week. I thought to myself, you know what? I'll go out and wash windows before I'll sit in line to get get some government money. Hello? Ooh, boy. Actually, everything's pretty much been addressed today. But I want to close with just a few things you've got to remember. I love this guy, man. Thank you. Play, just play. I love it. Don't you love him? I mean, I want to tell you what. I travel America in every size of church you can imagine. And in 99% of the cases, every pianist and person would have to slide off the bench and put him there. That's how good he is. Give him a hand. Is your, is, is your candidate pro-life? If he's not, or if she's not, there's no question. You don't vote for him. This is going to the IRS. Hello, guys. Hope you're listening to this. What's your candidate stand on marriage? You saw Garlow. You see, marriage was meant to go like this, not like this. Well, some of you can put that together if you got any brains at all. <laughs> what does your candidate stand on family values? Are they biblical family values? Do they line up with the Bible? You see, this whole thing is about the Bible. I've answered the Mormon question for you, but I found this quote. Francis Schaeffer, been dead for many years, but he made this rather prophetic quote. And I want to quote him. He who will not use his freedom to preserve his freedom will lose his freedom, and neither his children or his grandchildren will rise up and call him blessed. He who doesn't use his freedom his freedom to preserve his freedom, will lose his freedom. And neither his children or his grandchildren will rise up to call him blessed. Should Jesus tarry, and I don't go in the rapture, and my son and Pastor Dale O'Quist do my funeral service. I'm, I'm going to record something for it too, just... I'm going to say, listen, don't you be crying about the guy in the box. He's in heaven. Just get your life right with Jesus if you're not right with Jesus. But you know what? Here's the deal. I want my son and my grandsons to rise up and call Papa blessed because Papa stood for the Word of God, not for some political agenda. And I'm talking either Republican or Democrat. And I would tell you what, if the, if the Republicans did the same thing the Democrats did at their convention, they would be in the ledger too. I think it's time for us to repent. Because we haven't been as involved as we should. We've sat back. We don't speak up in the classroom. We don't speak up in the marketplace. No, I'm just saying the conversations are there. We've allowed the negative... Anti-biblical position to stand, and we haven't stood up. They have a right too. I've got what I'm doing today is a First Amendment right. Are you with me? And some minuscule couple of paragraphs that Lyndon Johnson slid into a, 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 a to create something against a couple of guys that irritated him is not going to stop me and the church from doing what's right. Are you with me today? Stand up. I want you to stand up I want you to think for a moment. Let's go back to Mormonism for a moment. I was talking to my son. I said, son, yeah, he said, we're participating, Dad, but here's the deal in Utah. He said, there's no question who the state's going to go for. Those electoral votes are already in Governor Romney's column. But you might say, but let me just tell you this. Their electoral votes have always gone in the column of the family uh, anti-pro-choice. They've always. In fact, that political party has only one time set the wheels of their airplane down at the Salt Lake City Airport because it's a waste of money. And I tell you what, when the Catholic Church and the Evangelical Church and people start standing up, the whole agenda is going to change. And then revival can come and then then. Even though that's a, a, a nice, yes, you know, the officials are back. Can't you see the headlines? The church is back. We're right back to, to, to what America was meant to be. One nation under God. Indivisible. With liberty and justice for all. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today. I thank you so much. That we have a pulpit Freedom Sunday Lord, I believe Pulpit Freedom Sunday is 52 weeks a year. And Lord, I believe the pulpits of our people in their offices, in their factories, in their schools need to be punctuated with the freedom from the word of God. Help us, God. And Lord, we repent and we get active if we want to save our country. Amen. God bless you. Pastor Mary has a few words as we close today. Thank you for listening today.